Welcome back to Across the Pond. Uh, we are back with a late evening edition. We've not done one of these for a little while, Barry. Uh, but I was just saying it's it's kind of cool, actually. It's kind of cool having a little bit of time after the end of the workday to, to go through for a little walk or a cycle along the river or something like that and then return um, feeling, feeling a bit fresh where, where typically it's kind of a rush, rush, rush at the end of the workday. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling quite zen right now and uh, ready to get into our episode. You've also done some kind of running around and I'm sure you're feeling pretty fresh too. Chad, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been I've been practicing for across the pond for the last four hours. Why haven't you been getting ready, man? You've been running around doing nothing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Of course, I've been in hockey, Chad. I'm back at hockey, which is amazing. Um, I, I I tore my hamstring a couple months ago and been in this long rehab process. Yeah. And the last two days, I finally got back to training and finally starting to try and get back into things, and trying to ease into it, Chad. But I think it's difficult when your instincts are there and you want to chase after the ball, you want to go back to hundred percent, and you've got to try. Yep and hold back and i was not good at doing that but i survived two training sessions so far and haven't torn it again yet so slow and steady wins the race this is good yeah very impressive um always good to show a bit of restraint especially with some of these injuries they uh they have a way of repeating themselves i, I don't know about the hamstring i've not had that one before um but you know i've i had a dislocated shoulder and i was doing a, a kind of mud race the other day um, did a little grip and I felt something pull in not such a great place. Um, so it, it is just that that good reminder to kind of build it up slowly, um, build up that strength again. So so good thing you're you're exercising some restraint in that in that regard. I mean, this week, Barry, I have to touch on here um, the very first time since lockdown, um, since the first lockdown, that I went into a theater, um, which was really quite exciting as well. So you know, feeling feeling quite chuffed and, and buzzed about that i mean i know we're we're in a pretty much you know non-lockdown thing right now in in, in the uk um, but i've not really been taking too much advantage of it i've kind of stuck with the lockdown habits spending a lot of time at home all that kind of stuff so it was nice to be back in in the theater again and uh what else to watch then uh les mis but for this time a staged concert edition which i found very very interesting um yes yeah, certainly nothing I've, I've seen before where you've kind of got like a little bit of acting and kind of gesturing what it is that's happening in the storyline but obviously the bulk of the focus is on the music and, and on the vocals um and you know what incredible music there as well so Loved that, um, and you know your recommendation was was high on that on that uh, particular piece of um, yeah, well just just the soundtrack of, of the musical. Yeah, I mean, Lamers is that iconic West End show. I think it might be one of the longest running shows on the West End, and it's one of those shows you kind of have to see in London. It's got that it's got that vibe, and it's 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 really home as London. Um, and I remember I saw it when I was there, and I was, I was absolutely blown away by the quality of the singing and just kind of the the way they put the show on. And uh, even even though you only saw the the, the music performed, Lamers is one of those shows where it's music from start to finish. So it's yeah. it's different yeah. to a show that you're going to miss a lot in between. Sure. So I feel like you can still follow the storyline, yeah. still get a sense as to what's going on. And I, for one, am extremely jealous, Chad. I was so jealous when you told me. I was like, damn it, Chad, why, why not me? Um, so I have to live vicariously through you. And yeah, Lamers is unbelievable show. It really was really cool. Yeah, it's, it's quite the cast as well. I mean, you know, obviously quite quite a big cast, but they've, they've gone for some of the heavyweights to, to pull this one through. And I think it is a limited run, um, which has been extended now a couple of times uh, due to popular demand. So, you know, if you are in London, uh, do go and check it out. The, the great thing is there's, a, there's an app. I think it's called Today Ticks for anyone who does live this side. Um, you literally just go on the day and, and try and figure out if you can get a, a deal. So I think at 10 o'clock every day, they release rush tickets. Um, and in our case, I think we only pay 25 pounds um, per ticket and uh, you know you, you're not always going to get the best seat but any seat in the house is is a good seat so um, yeah definitely recommend doing it that way and now that we can there's another one that's on my list and high up on my list Barry um, and that's a, a musical that I actually did when I was in school um, called Anything Goes and that's now on mm. at the Barbican Theatre um, and, and some pretty big names there too so yeah really excited uh, you know just the, the buzz and, and and it's it's all you know, that level of normality that, that we like again. 
And one more tip, if, if you're using that today, text app, which I think is great. Um, if you want to get better seats, a good tip is to book individually. So if you're going with right. a partner, you're going with a group of friends, if you book like individually and you just say, cool, we're not going to sit together, we'll meet up at half time. You'll get those, those random empty seats that are in between right. couples and groups of friends much closer to the front. Okay. And so a little, a little tip there if you want to get better seats. Um, but that's definitely the way to do it. When I was there, that's all I did. Go pick up the tickets in Leicester Square and then you're good to go. And uh, always, always good fun there. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very jealous, Chad. I'm looking forward to hearing more of your theater antics over the coming weeks. <laughs> and I'm asked to rely on you for what's going on in the world of theater. It's all good. All we need now is for South Africa to pop off of that red list, um, which... If I'm honest, I don't understand why it's on, uh, to be completely honest. So <laughs> India was released off the red list last week or the week before. Um, and, and as we know, um, you know, we, there was a Delta variant, which, you know, kind of emerged from uh, from India. And th- that variant has not been as, as worrisome as everyone has thought in the UK. You know, the UK's vaccines have proved pretty effective against it but that's now the dominant variant in south africa too isn't it as far as i understand so so what's the reason for you know pulling india off and, and keeping south africa on there's a petition uh, any south african who's listening to this right now go and search for that uk petition to take south africa off of the red list uh, i think it's already over ten thousand signatures of which mine of course was one um and and now it needs a, a government response but i think if it, if it gets to hundred thousand uh, then it'll be kind of debated in in, in parliament don't know if there's any point or not of that, but uh, you know we, we we put that wet ink where it needs to go, Barry. <laughs> Indeed, Chad, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I think we, we've got over our third wave this side and yep. things are much more stable. Case numbers have come down a lot and vaccinations are accelerating. So hopefully in the coming weeks, we're going to see it. I've got my first jab booked for the 4th of September, Ooh. so very excited about that. And so hopefully the quicker the better and I can come get on, get on a plane and come visit you, Chad. That's That's the goal, buddy. Yeah, that'll be awesome. I mean, it's been so long, my gosh. And when you do come, Barry, and when you do uh, book those tickets and pick them up, you've got a new way to pay for them, I believe. (laughs) I do, Chad. Finally, 18 years later, I finally have (laughs) Apple Pay that I can use. Um, We chatted about it a couple of weeks ago, about well, probably a couple of months ago now, I came into South Africa for the first time, and finally my bank, FNB, has got on the bandwagon, and I got a nice little push notification. So I've now added my credit card to my Apple wallet. I haven't tried it yet, Chad, but I must find an excuse to try it, because I basically haven't left the house. But when I leave the house next, we'll give it a go, and uh, we'll see what Apple Pay is all about. And how many of the merchants that side are are ready for it? I mean, is it it just... Does it just rely on normal contactless technology or or do the merchants need to be geared up as well? Yeah, so that's where South Africa is actually quite ahead. We were much further ahead with the contactless stuff than a lot of other countries around the world. So I would say 90% of merchants and point-of-sale devices right now have a contactless kind of um, capability. And so as far as I understand, you just pull out the wallet on your phone, tap it, and you should be good to go. So that, that that's one of the things one of the things Africa has done right, is gone to contactless very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, and tap and go has been kind of the standard here for the last five or six years. So yeah, that infrastructure is all in place. It's just a matter of testing now and seeing if it works, Jed. Love it, love it, love it. Well, hopefully that day comes soon and we get to go and 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 do some yeah, caring out in the streets of London, Barry. But until then, let's get into the week that was. The week that was. Chad, we're starting this week in the world of football or soccer, whichever way, whichever way you want to call it. And not only with the, with the world of football, but the number one player in the world and potentially, I, I, th- I would say, the number one player of all time, a man by the name of Lionel Messi. And even if you're not into soccer, I'm sure you've heard that name or you've seen it somewhere. He's an absolute global superstar, um, widely regarded as the best player of all time. And he has been at Football Club Barcelona in Spain for his entire career. He started there as a nine-year-old and made the, made the leaps up the leagues to make his debut, I think at 17, and basically became Barcelona's most successful player, winning them every single trophy you can think of over, over, over his career. And he got to the stage now where he was about 32 years old. He's won everything. He just recently won the Copa America with Argentina, his very first national trophy, which kind of cemented him as, as, as the absolute greatest of all time. And then there was this huge drama around his contract in the last couple of weeks, Chad. And um, unfortunately for Barcelona fans and and for a lot of football fans around the world, the Messi era at Barcelona has ended. Even though Mm. he wanted to stay, even though Barcelona wanted to sign him, they weren't allowed to because of the legal regulations around the wages and stuff in Spain. And so out of nowhere, almost overnight, they announced that instead of signing a new contract like everyone thought he was going to, 
he was all of a sudden out of Barcelona. He gave a very tearful press conference. Um, obviously, it's been his childhood dream. It's been his childhood club. He is Barcelona. If you think Barcelona, you think Lionel Messi. Um, and all of a sudden, he's now been transferred to Paris Saint-Germain in, in, in Paris. And so really crazy times there, Chad. Have you heard about the story? Have you been following any of it? So to be honest, I'm not huge in the in the soccer or football community, as you know, Barry. Um, but it it did it did of course uh, cross up across my feed, and I saw it here. So I was, I was keen to just not look into it too deeply because I wanted to hear it from you. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that's just kind of crazy. You you surely would have thought there would be enough kind of advisors and uh, you know who who have scanned through the scanned through the regulations in the land. Um, and, uh, you know, when it, when it came time to renew that contract, you know, knew all of the facts at hand, um, you know, to, to be able to do that. So, so I'm really surprised that, that no one anticipated the sooner, um, like you say, for a player who, uh, you know, is, is and you know, breathes and lives the city that he, that he, that he plays for or has played for. Um, I would have even expected maybe to see some, some change in regulation. I mean, he is that big a player to to consider looking at um you know why this regulation is in place so what what is the exact regulation you said so you say it's fair play regulations has it got to do with how many contracts you're allowed to roll has it got to do with uh you know the the amount you've earned over a certain period of time um wh what is it actually that that stopped this from happening yeah, so that, that's the million-dollar question. And the answer is, is finances, Chad. The answer is, is finances. And what's in place in Spain is a bunch of rules to try and keep football fair, to try and make sure that, that clubs can't just go and get hundreds of millions of dollars of debt, buy all these amazing players, and then out-compete to the clubs who are trying to do it in a relatively economically sustainable way, right? right. And so there's various regulations. And I think the, the one that kind of got tripped up here was you're only allowed to spend, I think, up to 95% of your revenue on player wages, right? So you can't just go into debt unnecessarily. Every single year, whatever your turnover is for the year, you can only spend up to 95% of that on wages. And Barcelona are in debt to the tune of hundreds of millions of euros, okay. Chad. They've been in a really, really difficult situation in the last couple of years. COVID-19 has obviously been a big impact on their, on their receipts and their revenues for the last year and a half. And they, for some unknown reason, they've just been spending and spending and spending over the last three years. They've spent hundreds of millions of euros on players trying to get back to the top of where they were because they kind of fell a little bit from the top few teams. In the last couple of years, Chad, they haven't been this, the same Barcelona that we saw in 2015 and 2016. And so they've been trying to get back up to it and spending crazy amounts of money. And so when it came to renew Messi's contract, I mean, Messi's expensive, right? He's the number one yeah. player in the world. Like, so he's an expensive player to sign. And they had agreed that he's going to take a 50% pay cut in order to get under this under this this level. So the idea was okay. that, cool, Messi agreed 50% pay cut, which is big for the greatest player in the world. Sure. Yeah. Um, but he wanted to stay at Barcelona, so he was willing to do whatever it took. And so when he was driving to Barcelona that morning, he was expecting to sign that contract. What I think happened was that Barcelona were trying to sell other players in the background to get that number to where it needed to be. They were assuming that they were going to be able to sell three or four of their bigger players to get the wage bill down in order to make that messy contract work. And I right. think at the last minute, they, they couldn't sell those players or something else came. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but they just weren't allowed to sign that contract, even at 50%. And the funny thing is, Chad, even if you played for free, they still wouldn't have been able to sign him. That's how bad their finances were. And so it's an absolute own goal from Barcelona. It makes them look hot, terrible when it comes to management, when it comes to managing the club. Um, and it's been a huge hit. I mean, I saw some some video footage of the Barcelona guys training without Messi. And the mood and the morale is just absolutely destroyed, Chad. And so a really, really tough situation. As any football fan, we, we, think, we think Messi in a Barcelona shirt. It's going to be very strange to see him in something else, especially when we know that he didn't actually want to move. Wow, that's crazy, and I, I I don't get how it's possible. Like you say, with all of the other players, um, how at his current wage, um, so even at his current wage, he should have been able to stay with the current se selection of players. Um, I, I I don't economically understand how this happened. Um, how, like you say, even if he was playing for free, it, it still wouldn't have have been possible. Um, they've they've seriously scored an own goal here, and and I I, I just I just don't get how that's possible. Um, knowing 
knowing that regulation, and it, it does seem like a very fair one, um, you know, to spend 95% of your revenues. I mean, that's still a very high number. Um, for, <laughs> yeah, for a club that still has to, to make a profit, you know you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that that's, that's just crazy. I, I don't understand how that is even possible. Hopefully they kind of, uh, yeah, there this, this should, this should certainly be some inquiries um, to, to try and understand what they're actually doing there. Um, because yeah, that that's definitely not a, a sustainable way to run a club. So yeah, that is uh, going to be hard. I, I guess the trickiest part is for all of those Barcelona uh, supporters. What do they do now? Do they do they switch in in the tournaments that that include uh, you know France as well, or or do they do they stick to their side? What is your feeling? Yeah, it's hard, Chad, because a bunch of them went to Barcelona to play with Messi. Messi was a big draw card. A big name, Sergio Aguero, who was the the, the best Man City player for the last couple of years, just literally this season went to went to Barcelona to play with his Argentinian mate Messi. And so he must be absolutely flabbergasted to arrive there. He's moved his family across countries. He's kind of made this huge change. And then Messi's gone. And so, yeah, I don't know if Barcelona are going to be able to keep their top players because a lot of them want to play with Messi. So we'll have to wait and see what happens in the aftermath, Chad. Uh, just a really, really nasty situation. And um, for, for someone like Messi, he didn't, he, he's not going to get like the send-off. He's not going to get this, all, these, all these things that he should have got at the end of his Barcelona career because he's literally jumped on a plane, went to Paris, and he's in a Paris shirt straight away. So it's, it's a bit of a sad one, to be honest, from the neutral. Yeah, no, really, really, really sad. Um, and, and we know how, um, you know, people in Barcelona love their football. I mean, I've been to Camp Nou before. Um, just just the passion, even even the little kids in the ground. Um, there's, there's something about that, uh, you know, that Catalonia, um, you know, sort of spirit um, in the football. So that's going to be a massive hit just to the city. And, and one of my favorite cities in the world, definitely. Yeah, definitely, Chad. So hopefully we can figure out what went wrong in that situation and Barcelona can try and get back on their feet. But there's a mountain of debt to dig through. So it's going to take a while, Chad. And it might take a couple of years of rebuilding to get to the point where they're at a more sustainable position where they can start to to compete again. But if you're a Barcelona fan right yeah. now, my condolences. Yeah, sorry. Sorry for all of those supporters. Um, next thing that happened this week, Barry, is we saw a, uh, a pretty much a landmark report um, released. So it's an IPCC report. Um, as far as I understand, 234 authors collaborated on putting this report together. Um, this is only also to just clarify, it's the first part of the report as far, far as I understand. There's another part that's coming next year. Um, but like I said, a collaboration of 234 authors, uh, 66 countries involved as well. Um, and, and basically looking into climate change uh, from a scientific point of view and effectively gathering all of that evidence up together and uh, producing one document that is the authority of climate change and uh, and effectively what we're doing to the planet, um, and it, it definitely seems to be a you know a, a warning sign of all warning signs uh, to, to 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 the humans on on this planet. Um, they've also compiled a summary for sort of world leaders. Um, and, and of course, we've got, uh, you know, a summit that's, that's happening later on this year. So that the timing of this is, is of course, um, you know, pretty interesting to note. Um, but some of the things that, that we just said in this report, Barry, um, is basically that there's an unequivocal, and, and that's a very strong piece of language that was used here. Um, they're basically stating, stating that human influence is warming up the planet. And, uh, and they've said that that is an unequivocal relationship, which is a change, I believe, from previous reports. Very strong wording on, uh, you know, on this is where we are and this is what we've done. Here's, here's where we're at. So there aren't currently in this report any recommendations or, or things to improve on, um, you know, how, how, do we, how do we get this down with practical measures. But I believe that could be seen in the next, uh, in the next part that will be released uh, in 2022. Um, but, you know, just hitting the basics. So obviously, it, it, some of this is very technical stuff. Um, there's thousands of pages in this report. Uh, I think some people are still digesting it. Um, but, but, but it's certainly, you know, there's nothing new here, Barry. But it is that confirmation of what we've been talking about for a long period of time. And it's kind of, it's just that waking call really um, to everyone who has been a little bit doubtful of it, who's been kind of trying to play it down, say it's not as serious as it is. Um, effectively, you know, one of the headlines from this from this report is that the global average temperature could rise um, 
in exceed and exceed one and a half degrees Celsius above pre-industrial age levels in the next 20 years and that is 10 years sooner than we had previously expected before um, so clearly a lot that needs to be done um, you know obviously as this is as released and just in terms of the timing of it barrier um, have you seen all the fires that have been happening in, in Greece and, and Turkey Italy's also got some fires now with some excessively hot temperatures and and just droughts and it's just this extreme weather that uh, that we now know for sure is because of us. Yeah, Chad, I was actually on a call with one of my clients who, who are in Greece at the moment, and he was saying how bad the fires were, and he was telling me about the situation on the ground. It's really, really bad there. And it, it's again, it's it's a reminder of, of this this problem. And I think I think the, the the COVID pandemic has kind of distracted us a little bit from it. We haven't we haven't looked at it for a while. So maybe this report is timed really well yep. to kind of bring it back to back to the top of the top of the news and back to our consciousness and remind us that this problem is still very much in in, in our midst. And one and a half degrees might not sound like a lot to, to some some people, but it, if you look at it and you look at the scientific kind of understanding, it's a lot. It's a big, big number when you're considering a global average. And it's not something we can afford to just sit back and, and take. It's something we have to take action on. And, and uh, yeah, I think that it's it's not we shouldn't be panicking necessarily but yeah. we have to be taking like really drastic proactive action to reduce our carbon footprint try and find new ways to fight this thing and uh, yeah it's it's important that we get this multi multi country country collaboration so I like the fact that it's got hundreds of authors. I like the fact that yeah. it's got people from all around the world because this is not a problem that one country can solve. It's not like it's not like we can decide, cool, for our country we're going to do this and then everything's going to be fine. It's like, no, no, no. We all share the same ozone yep. layer. We all share the same earth. Yep. We need to come together as a human experiment and really kind of make, a dif make the difference that we need to if we're going to adapt. Absolutely. And I, I guess the thing with some of these models uh, that are included in the report is, is that if we do take action now, um, you know, some of this can be reversed to an extent. Um, so th there are projections in there, you know, with, where if we carry on with our current um, level of, of CO2 emissions, what it could look like, what, what a drastic reduction could look like. I mean, it is possible if we, if we do have, have a drastic reduction that, that we can kind of sit below that two degree um, increase or you know even 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 lower than that um, d depending on where we go um, some of the damage is done already some of the you know the, the glaciers have melted and some of those are just not going to form again uh, th there's there's an excess of heat down in the in the bed of the sea um, and and you know for decades or even centuries there's still going to be some melting that's going to happen um, because of what we've done up until now but there is something that can be done. Um, and, I, and I guess it just counts on that decisive leadership um, from, from some of those regions. Like you say, Barry, uh, we're all in this together. But uh, ultimately, there are, there are a couple of nations that, that are worse than others, it seems. Yeah, definitely. I think that the big elephant in the room is China's contribution to this, and China is one of the one of the biggest players in the space. And luckily, we are seeing a lot of innovation from them when it comes to renewable energy, and we're seeing a lot of decent signs. But we need to see much, much more. Um, I think the U.S. as well is one of those big players that that needs to kind of live up their game. I think I think most yep. of Europe is is doing a decent job when you look at their carbon emissions. It's mostly the U.S. and China that are the two major major developed countries that need to kind of lead the way in this. But also it's important that we get the developing countries on, on the road as well because it's sure. hard to go to a developing country and tell them they must now like pull the, pull back their innovation or pull back their infrastructure or pull back their developments for the sake of the planet because they're in the middle of the stage where they're trying to build and they're trying to grow and they're trying to become one of those developed economies. So it's a very, very kind of difficult political conversation to have, um, but we need global cooperation if it's going to work. I'm, I'm quite optimistic that there are enough scientists and there are enough people working on cool solutions that hopefully we can start to mm. find ways to, to tackle this proactively. And I don't, I don't think it's a good idea to kind of get into this idea of, oh, doomsday, the world's going to fall apart, no, yada, no. yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I think we have to we have to look at what is what is working well and what kind of the, the important forward steps we're taking and then put more money behind that, put more energy mm. behind that and kind of push towards a new future. Um, because that, that is the way we're going to innovate ourselves out of this. And uh, hopefully that is the way of the future. Hopefully that's what the world looks like going forward. And we end up with a much more sustainable economy, a much more sustainable, sustainable global ecosystem that can, can take care of the planet we're on, Chad, because we're not going to Mars just yet.
<laughs> not just yet no this planet is still it still has so much to give us uh, for sure and, and you're completely right it's not it's not doomsday uh, all over it um, it is saying that you know this is a very serious thing we need to we need to prioritize and, and care about um, and if anything I think it, it is just important um, we, we've seen that change in perception over the last let's say decade um, where you know the end uh, the person on the street cares about uh, you know, uh, sustainability and climate change a whole lot more than, than before because, you know, there's a lot more information out there and, and this this helps for, for all of that. And so uh, the more you have people, you know, being proactive and switching their energy tariffs onto sustainable tariffs uh, to only invest in companies who, who do good things, to only buy from corporations that have, you know, sustainable practices themselves, um, all, all of that kind of stuff starts shifting the needle because when you start to uh, reduce the amount of demand on a certain uh, industry, like like let's say you know gas and oil, as an example, um, you know you, you you start to to really uh, force the hand of of some of these big corporations, um, and uh, you know that can only be a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Those incentives are what matter. We need to be setting up our institutions and our structures and just like all the incentives that play into our daily lives in the way that's pushing us towards sustainability. We can't rely on like this moral view of just do the right thing because it's just yeah. too many humans and people sure. just care about themselves. You need to build the economic incentives to make it like electric cars, for example. Yeah. They need to be better than gas cars so that there's no there's no decisions. The winds are no brainer to get an electric car because it's cooler, it's it's cheaper, it's better. And when we get to that, then it solves that problem. And so that's what we need to be thinking about is how do we incentivize people to do the right thing because it's good for them, not because it's good for the mm. environment, because that is the way to kind of change human behavior. And we've done it in the past. We've done it with various things across our, our, our past. And so hopefully the human like collaboration and, and the world can come together and figure that out. Uh, but it's something we need to be keeping a very close eye on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, yeah, governments are well placed to to throw in some incentives, um, you know, on, on that in, on that particular note there, Barry. I mean, I've got a electric on the way, which I'm very excited about. Um, there's there's a great government scheme this side as well, um, you know, incentivizing people who do have uh, cars through uh, through their company, um, where you know the fringe benefit tax is uh, is substantially lower. Than a you know a, a normal uh, you know fuel-based vehicle. So governments are well placed to do that, and uh, we just need to see a lot more of these incentives uh, pop up, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll have a brighter future ahead, which is which is always exciting. Uh, let's then move on to stuff we found interesting. Stuff I found interesting. Alrighty, I came across this article, Barry, um, and well, first things first. Uh, you, you've seen you've seen what I'm going to talk about. Have you heard any of it, or or, or is this new to you? Before going into any detail, I, I haven't heard this particular story, <laughs> Chad. But I've got lots of thoughts on what you've written here, the metaverse. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to hearing more about this particular instance, and then we can chat about the metaverse. Okay, so on the metaverse, uh, you're a more a lot more well versed than I am on this metaverse um but but I've, i found this crazy barry so we had a a virtual concert uh, and it turns out this is not the first one that's happened um there's been there's been a couple of others of a couple of artists which, which we'll which we'll mention but a a virtual concert in a very loved game that we've spoken about before Fortnite, um and and the artist in question is um you know the 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 heavyweight of the pop scene Ariana Grande, um, who who can pull a crowd um, more than more than Ariana Grande can, and it just seems like this crazy event to me, where you have this, like I say, virtual concert in this uh, you know virtual world. Um, you have everyone able to to kind of interact with each other in in, in limited ways, um, you know, as they as they move through these specific scenes and levels. Um, I, I've got some visuals popping up on the screen and and this is actually in the lead up to the concert. So this is this is before she enters the arena. Um, obviously where you can make your your avatar her if if you'd like. Um, but effectively, you know, she she then pops in at some stage, Barry, and uh, and 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 fills the sky and and starts singing and obviously it's it's all kind of pre-recorded, um, but but in some ways it's it really is this kind of magical affair uh, in, in a way where your your avatar can kind of like you know you have various moves that you can pre-program and you can dance and do all sorts of things and uh, you you can kind of chase her as well like follow her through 
as she moves through the different worlds and different settings in this in this concert in this virtual concert um and 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 right at the end you know she kind of grabs this this mallet and and just slams the world and everything comes crashing down and and that's the end of the that's the end of the concert um i just found it fascinating that you know you had this you had this event and and obviously a, a massive turnout some of the other artists uh, that that ha that have been in fortnite before include diplo Marshmallow, uh, Travis Scott, Travis Scott, who attracted an, an audience of 12 million, Barry. Um, just imagine that many people in a, you know, in a concert type setting. And, and so these are obviously all of the opportunities that, that are opened up by, uh, you know, by these kind of technologies. Of course, it's not the real thing. You're looking at an animated Ariana Grande. Um, but I, I found it fascinating. I, I really found it fascinating that there was, there was so much demand for this um, and and people seem to really like it. Chad, I think Fortnite is potentially one of the most innovative teams that I think are on the planet right now. They're doing such cool stuff and they've kind of transcended the game Fortnite. So for those who don't know, Fortnite started as this game, which was this first-person shooter, became incredibly popular. For a good couple of years, it was a number one game and they built this ginormous community. And we could talk about Fortnite forever, Chad, because they've got this amazing <laughs> micro-economy where people buy like all these, yep. these gizmos and gadgets and they're making all their money through those in-game purchases. They've built this really cool live event experience like you're like you're speaking about and the fact that you get ariana grande one of the top one of the top two or three pop stars in the world to come and do a concert on here for hundreds of thousands if not millions of people chad is just absolutely incredible and it points to the points to the future we're going to get to the metaverse just now it points to the future of these events chad and like when you can pull in 12 million people into a concert chad why would you go and do a stadium, right? <laughs> yeah. Why would you yeah. go and do a stadium for 90,000 when you can do it for 12 million? And this really does open up these experiences and these kind of these opportunities to people who might not have the opportunity to go into a concert themselves. And maybe they're in a remote part of the world, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter who you are, you can come into this little virtual reality and interact as this avatar, as, as whoever you want to be. So I think it's very exciting, Chad. It's very interesting. I, I'd be curious to try one of these concerts one day and see what it feels like as a, as a viewer. Yep. Um, but I think it's really fascinating. I think it's the first of many. We're going to see lots of these going forward, Chad. Yeah, and I, I, just as we're watching this now, Barry, um, there's some other kind of like personal elements as well. So you'll, you'll be following her, and obviously uh, for everyone, I guess they're as close as as each other is uh, and she, she sort of turns turns around and blows a kiss and you catch the kiss and it's it's all these kind of like little personal um elements which which i thought were you know really really quite interesting too um and and in terms of the, the price element of it um i don't know if you had to pay to attend this concert but from what i can see here if you wanted to buy that ariana Fortnite skin um so you, you wanted your avatar to look like her um, you had to pay 2,000 V-Bucks, which is about $20. So you can just imagine how many of these millions of people um, for the event, if it was free, um, you know, went in and bought their, their skin. Uh, and, uh, you know, that translates into, into quite a lot of V-Bucks. Yeah, and that's the major innovation that that Fortnite. I think I think Epic Games own them. I think Epic Games is the the yeah. owner. Yeah. Um, that's the major innovation they've brought to the space. Is that this idea that these games are free to play or these concerts are free to attend, and they're monetized in other ways. They're monetized mm. by giving you extra virtual benefits to make your character look a certain way, or to give you extra powers, or give you extra lives, or whatever the story is. And they've built this entire virtual economy on the back of this game, Chad. This is not just a game anymore, it's a community. It, yeah. It's For those who are in the community, it's where you go and spend hours and hours every single day. It's where your friends are. It's where you sit on Discord and you chat and you like, catch up and you kind of, you interact with your friends through this game. And so they've really become so much more than what you think of when you think of online gaming. It, it really is a community. And these events prove it because it, it proves that you've got this audience there who are looking for entertainment, who are looking for for new virtual experiences. And then it's going to get more and more interactive, Chad. You mentioned blowing the kiss and all these individualistic mm. aspects. That's one of the beauties of this. You can you can feel like you're right in front of Ariana Grande in a way that you can't if you're in the row Z in the stadium when <laughs> like you have to use your binoculars to see what's going on, right? Yeah. It's a very different experience. And in, Chad, if you imagine this sort of thing with a sports match, for example, what if you could sit like courtside at a basketball game or right in the center line in a rugby game, whatever the story is, it opens up all these opportunities for these virtual 
events. And you can have the best seat in the house. You can sit next to Ariana Grande as she serenades you, Chad. And the moment we start putting VR goggles on and it gets much more real, then this game changes entirely. Yeah, and I was quite interested that for, for this particular one, it, it does look like it was all sort of pre-recorded and pre-animated and all that kind of thing. Uh, from what I saw from the clips of the Travis Scott one, it looks like it was more of a case of, um, you know, there was there was an actual stage and and he was performing live, uh, f- from what I understand. So so I'm su- I was very surprised about that kind of pre-recorded nature and, and people and there being appetite for it, um, because you know it, it's 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 one thing to go and watch something that's that's been you know pre pre-recorded pre-animated pre um you know arranged and and something that's completely different to to watch someone doing something live um which you know obviously there's limitations to but but ultimately it's early days still i suppose and and i guess the technology needs to get there um which you know i'm sure it, it will eventually and like you say in terms of epic games you know that they certainly are trying to to build out this this metaverse um, because basically there's, there's a race now who establishes uh, the metaverse that that is that is mostly populated first um, and and when that happens ultimately it'll be hard to pull you know all of those people out onto other platforms um, just like we've seen with with other things just like we've seen with with whatsapp as an example um, if all your friends are, are using one platform it's really hard to to move it yeah, definitely, and that's and that's the kind of the, the the key points of these last couple of weeks, Chad. Is we've heard a lot about the metaverse, and I've heard of comments from a lot of different companies, notably Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook. Yep. Um, they've been talking about the metaverse for a long time now, and when they bought Oculus, the the VR company, a couple of years ago, their whole kind of number one north star was to create that metaverse. They wanted to create this virtual world where you had your avatar and you interacted in virtual space rather than physical space. And Chad, I know you said you didn't know much about it, but you actually do because you've watched or read Ready Player One, right? That's the entire metaverse right there. That is the idea of the metaverse is that you put on these goggles or you interact through some sort of, through a screen of some sort and you embody this avatar and you go and you do everything you would do uh, in the real world, but in a virtual world. And when you start having transactions available, when you can do events, when you can communicate, when you can do all these things in the metaverse, it becomes a very, very different world, Chad. And I think COVID has kind of pushed this even further Mm. than it would have been because we're all sitting at home. We're dying for social interaction. We're dying for opportunities to connect with people, to meet people, and to go to concerts and all of these things. And so I think this, this, this sort of metaverse is inevitable. And how long it takes, I've got no idea. Like you mentioned, it's a fine line between trying to push technology further than what's capable. Um, I, I think for Ariana Grande, if she tries to do a live concert and it doesn't work or something goes yeah. wrong, it looks <laughs> very bad. So you've got to sure. try and like temper expectations a little bit. Yep. Um, but I think in, in 20 years' time or in 50 years' time, Chad, we're going to be looking at a very, very different hmm. like state of affairs when it comes to events, when it comes to transactions, when it comes to entertainment. Because how much of it is going to be our avatar and how much of it is going to be ourselves? And that's a very interesting philosophical and, and social question to answer. Um, because obviously there's pros and cons to both. Um, and a lot of people are scared of the virtual reality because they feel like the physical reality is going to lose out and you're going to lose what it means to be human. Yeah, we're not supposed mm-hmm. to be avatars. We're supposed to be out in the world kind of interacting. Um, but who knows what's going to happen over the next couple of decades. Yeah, I guess uh, so much of that depends on on the speed of data transfer and the speed of, of processing. Um, and if if the last couple of decades are anything to go by, my goodness, are, are we in for for a ride and and a half? Um, Barry, what did you find interesting this week? Chad, I found something that is fucking crazy, and <laughs> you have to pull up the picture here because I just can't believe it. It's the world's tallest dog, Chad. And for those Whoa. who aren't listening, you have to come to the hard <laughs> watching. You have to come to the video and check this out. There's oh a Great gosh. Dane, which is over seven foot tall, Chad. And if you look at that picture, tell me that. Tell, tell me that. What's that's that not Photoshop. Oh, I don't know. We have to. We have to quickly do a conversion <laughs> there. This dog looks like a horse, oh and it's sitting gosh. on the couch. Oh my goodness me! This, <laughs> one of the one of the one of the family members is giving it a good cuddle, and she looks like an absolute pipsqueak next to this dog. It is absolutely <laughs> ginormous. And Lounging Chad, I don't sun. know about you, but can you imagine having this size dog in your house? I can't. Get, I can't imagine it. Oh my gosh! I mean, Great Danes of, of all breeds. Um, it had to be a Great Dane. 
they are they are just <laughs> huge you just see them walking out in the park and, and you're like did this person literally bring a donkey um they, they are huge uh and, and this one i mean i don't know my feet to meters conversion um but but gosh just just looking at this this doggo lounging on the couch um yeah it's, it's just crazy i'm personally a fan of uh, of of the smaller kind of 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 dog um <laughs> Anything that is, you know, below the knee, even maybe even like half knee height, the smaller the better for me. Um, but I know people feel very passionate about that. Um, what, what's what's your what's your particular? Uh, what are you what are you keen on, Barry? Jed, I always think it's interesting. I think people like what they've grown up with. I've got that yeah. kind of theory because people, if you grow up with a big dog, you kind of like big dogs. If you grow up with a small dog, you like small dogs. Yeah. So I've always grown up with big dogs who've kind of mostly been outside, who very rarely came in the house. And so that's kind of what I think of when I think of a dog as a pet. Yeah. But I've got friends who've had a tiny little dog that sleeps on the bed with them and is always inside and they think that's the way to do it. So I've got no strong opinions either <laughs> way, Chad, but my childhood has, has brought me up to like the slightly bigger mm. dogs. Not seven foot though. Let's not get crazy not seven foot just a decent size that doesn't like knock you over when it comes running towards you yeah of course and uh you know naturally i guess the the country that you're staying in helps as well um try and try and have a place big enough to have a a great day in london um if if you are not mark zuckerberg or ariana grande um (laughs) for that matter yeah challenging um shall we move on then barry let's do it let's look ahead Looking ahead. Alrighty, I wanted to kick this one off um, with a little bit of tech, Barry, and I haven't probed too deeply into this yet. Um, but Amazon, oh, Amazon, Canon released their their new flagship camera, uh, the EOS R3. Um, obviously, you know, you and I are both big fans of, of Peter McKinnon, one of one of their ambassadors. Um, and he kind of teased it a little bit. He's not allowed yet to actually show us what it's what it can do in terms of actual footage and pictures. Um, but you know, I was intrigued, so I went onto the website and had a had a little bit of, bit of a little bit of a look through the specs. There's one feature here which which got my my tech nerd super excited. Um, the idea, Barry, of looking in your viewfinder, okay, looking at a particular part of the frame and the camera automatically focusing to where you look. Wow. How crazy that is, is that? That is crazy, man. So that, 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 almost, that almost makes that, that experience absolutely frictionless. Yeah. If you can just, yeah, like you say, look at the place that you are focusing on as your eye would normally do. Um, without having to adjust things or set 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 things and like make all these adjustments on the fly, it probably means you can get those action photos even better, Chad, because yeah. you're much quicker to get that that focus on, so you can take that picture before you lose that moment. Um, and that is, oh, that is that is amazing. That almost means you got a camera looking back at you as well and tracking <laughs> exactly. your eyes, and then using that, it's a double camera both ways. It's crazy technology. Um, you know, I'm I'm shocked by it. Um, you know, it, it is super exciting for me because, yeah, if you've ever used, you know, a mirrorless camera um, or, or even a, a DSLR, you always have to have like a focus box or, or, you know, obviously somewhere that you are telling the camera where to focus. And, you know, the ones I've used, you've, you've normally got like a, a joystick or you can you can use your touch screen at the back. Um, but there's naturally going to be a lag and it's it's always not going to be super intuitive. Um, you know, being able to, to look literally at at the part of the frame you want to focus on um it just feels like it's going to be so natural to use um and because of some of the other functions of this camera it it, it, it's equipped for those who are into like sports and um you know just like high speed stuff um as you say, to, to be able to to be able to, to be able to look at something as you would like look at a car or look at uh, somebody snowboarding or, or whatever the case is, um, and then be able to take advantage of these super fast frame rates that this camera can do. I, I honestly think, obviously, I've not seen how it's how it's implemented yet and 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 how how it comes across for the professionals uh, who who use it. But I think Canon has has struck gold here. I, I think this is an incredible feature, um, and. You know, over and above that, it makes me question uh, the, the skill that you, that it, that is required in in photography. Uh, if you if you've got enough money to buy this camera, do 
do you really need to know any anything about photography or, or you know <laughs> work hard at, at getting getting these kind of shots um it, it's an interesting kind of conversation to have i guess yeah, definitely. And it's one we've had before, Chad, about how yep. when artificial intelligence and these new technologies start to creep up on creativity, how are we going to kind of keep it in, in the sense that like we need skill and you need talent, you need hard work to make this make this actually happen. Um, but that's what great technology does, Chad. It kind of melts into the background and just kind of does a lot of the stuff for you without you even realizing it. So a lot of the great technology across our world is, is kind of, it's very silent and it's very in the back and it kind of just does what mm. it needs to do. And when you remove that friction, it opens up those opportunities to so many more people. And so I, I don't think it's going to completely change photography to the sense that I'll be able to pick up a random camera and become Peter McKinnon, right? I think there's still <laughs> a lot a lot to create with what, what he does. Yeah. Um, but it's going to make it a very interesting conversation when it comes to like how did you get your photos and, and exactly what, what went into getting them. I think that these sorts of technologies push us to, to think a bit but more carefully about what is what is creativity and, and mm. what what is photography, for example, um, and if if your gear is getting in the way of capturing that moment, then that's that's not a good thing. And so if it can get out of the way a little bit and give you that space to to capture those 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 really candid pieces and 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 just make sure you don't miss out on those bits and pieces, Chad, when you're busy fiddling with the box or fiddling with yep. the joystick to try and make it work. Um, so I'm very curious to see. Uh, what happens with it and chad i want to ask are you going to get one of these when they oh come oh my on? gosh i i don't think i would be i, I could I, you know you'd have to mortgage probably <laughs> three houses to get this berry um yeah it's it's it certainly isn't within my reach i don't think um and, and also it it's a big it's a big thing this it's it's probably going to be about three times the size as the camera that i'm that i'm currently oh, wow. using um <laughs> so you know it's it's big it's chunky it, it's for the pros it, it's going to be expensive there's no doubt about it um but but you never know i mean as things as things progress obviously the, the cost always comes down um who knows in in three years time when when the new model is released and and you know there's specials left right and center on gear that is still very good uh who knows we we could maybe talk at that point in time but for now barry i'm i'm not planning any upgrades anytime soon <laughs> I'm proud of you, Chad. I'm proud of you because I know you're a gear geek and I know you'll be itching to get this. So I'm very proud to see some restraint from your side. And it just means you got to make some more YouTube videos, buddy, so you can get that AdSense <laughs> and uh, get that camera, bud. Don't you worry. One is being released tomorrow as we speak. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Love it. <laughs> There's been a bit of a drought there and it's, uh, yeah, it, it's needed some tension. But we're going to talk about it in the next segment, Barry. Develop and grow. Develop and grow. Why don't you start? Seeing as you kind of led into it, there, Chad. Start with your piece, and I'll finish with my quote afterwards. Are you sure? Okay, fine. Let me let me hijack the section then. Um, yeah, <laughs> basically just just throwing it out there. I've not. It's it's still kind of early stage thoughts um, that you know I've I've been ruminating on. I guess for for the last little bit, um, and. Yeah, basically, I feel like at the moment, I'm at this point where I've kind of stopped doing like all of my hobbies, because I've got too many hobbies to do. And so instead of swinging out of bed in the morning, um, you know, waking up super early, uh, tackling that that thing with, with passion and, uh, you know, just just wanting to, to learn and further and, and grow on a particular, uh, you know, field or, or facet of one of one of these hobbies. I just get up super late, roll out of bed, hop into the shower and, you know, start work. And, uh, yeah, basically it's, it's, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's just not a, it's not a good vibe, uh, pretty much. And so I, I've kind of listed some of the things that, you know, I, I do, um, work obviously being the biggest chunk of that because, you know, you, you've got to pay the bills ultimately. And I think I'm in the same position as, as I would probably say a, a, a majority of the population where, you know, you, you do something because you want to earn money. You don't do something because you you, you absolutely love it. It's, it's not your like North Star. It's not the thing that, uh, you know, that you wanted to do from the time you were, you were a little kid. And, uh, and I think that's just the reality. I, I think some people are, you know, are great, are, are, you know, have taken the risks and, and have made, made it for themselves in, in the, those fields. Uh, but I think, I think the majority of people um, are, are doing something simply because they have to pay bills 
and not because it's, it's what they want to do in life. Um, so anyway, that's, that's work. That's the biggest piece. Um, obviously, I, you know, I'm, I've always been interested in, in music and, and singing. And I haven't sang in ages, Barry. I've got the, the guitar behind me. I've got the piano uh, in the cupboard. Uh, and, you know, ultimately, that, that's, just, that's just sitting there. It's, it's, not, it's not getting used. So, so I want to get better at music in all fields of music. I want to I want to produce stuff. I want to learn how Logic Pro works and, and you know, do all of this kind of stuff. That, that That's all on there. The podcast is obviously another one. That's, that's where, you know, you and I are, are here today focusing on the podcast. Obviously, it takes up a, a lot of time in the week, too. YouTube, we just chatted about that. Um, I've got this fledgling little YouTube channel, which, um, you know, one or two videos has has done some cool things in the past. And it's, it's very exciting. It's on, on a good path. But ultimately, if you, you know, if you're not spending time putting stuff out there, uh, you can you can stagnate and, and drop back down. You know I love my photography. That's another thing, Barry. I've got I've got my Instagram, and I, I I'm neglecting that as well. In in a way, I'd like to be posting more stuff there and spending more time and curate like all of the, all of these images that I take that just ultimately live on my computer and don't go anywhere else. Um, you know, then you've got the more kind of human elements. You, you've got the fitness. So so like you've got your hockey, Barry. Um, you know I've. I've, I've been involved in, in a tag rugby team not too long ago. There's a cycling club down the road uh, who, who, who wake up and meet at like 10 past six in the morning. Um, you know, so, so, so there's all the fitness elements as well. And, you know, being able to, to dedicate time and attention to that too. Um, you know, if I carry on at, at this rate, we're going to be here all day, Barry. But there's, you know, there's the relationship, which is incredibly important, um, you know, with my fiance and spending, spending that that time as well on that um the social life wanting to learn a new language like trying to to read and, and cover through books and learn new things um you know wanting to talk to your friends about sports because you've actually spent time sitting in front of the the tv screen uh learning the leagues learning the teams learning the players um you know talking about particular moments because you love sport and enjoy sport uh, all of that kind of stuff and then we spoke about Fortnite. um i don't play Fortnite specifically but when you do play a game with a friend um you know on on your playstation and and feel like you need to be better at this because if you just spent time on it you know you you could you could aim better you could you could get more kills you could you could run faster switch weapons you know all of that kind of stuff and so there's this endless level of of things that i want to do uh, but i'm at the point in time barry where I've, I've got just too much and uh and you know i'm kind of now in that just procrastinating stage where you, you there's just there's just too much it's become kind of overwhelming and not not fun anymore um and and a little observation that i had as well that, that i wanted to to kind of get your thoughts on because i think i think you and i are a bit similar in this in this regard is that i'm i mean correct me if i'm wrong i'm quite like impressionable as well so uh i'll i'll watch i'll watch a youtube video as an example and be like i can do that you know i can i can really do that and i can i can do that quite well so let me do that let, let me let me start that listen to podcast you know i can do that too um you know i've, <laughs> I've I, can, I can yeah let, let's do that let's start a podcast uh come across an instagram post and see someone put some like high production stuff on on photos hey I've done photography before. Maybe, maybe I can do that. And so what, what I've done is I've kind of accumulated all of these interests um, because I'm impressionable. And and sure, I, I enjoy them when I'm doing them. But I do think I've created a monster. And uh, I'd, I'd like your thoughts on it, Barry. Oh, Chad, I've got so many thoughts. Let's first take a breath. <laughs> Ooh, that is a lot of stuff. And I think for the vast majority of our listeners, Chad, they don't think this way. A lot of people will just have their one hobby, right, for example, and they have a very simple life and they just kind of make sure, cool, doing the work and doing their one hobby maybe and that's kind of it. But I'm exactly the same as you and we're in a little minority called the generalist, Chad, and we have to deal yep. with these sorts of existential dilemmas <laughs> sometimes where we feel like we've got so much to do and just not enough time. I don't think it's it's a bad thing at all. I think that I, I completely get where you're coming from. I've got two major points that I've been thinking about in this story because I've also found myself in this situation a lot mm. of times throughout my life. 
And I, I think it's, it's, it's your curiosity and it's your confidence more so than just impressionable. That's what I want to say. I don't think you're impressionable. I just think you're very curious. And I think that's a great place to be because you see something in the world that you, that you really like and you think is cool and you want to go and do it yourself. And we've chatted about being the person in the arena, actually trying these yeah. things and actually going for it and, and whatnot. And this podcast is a great example. The only way this podcast works is because we're both these people, Chad. Otherwise, we'd have yeah. nothing to talk yeah. about. If you look so, at the range of topics we cover on this podcast, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> and the only way it's possible is because we love so many different things and we're able mm. to bring all that to the table. So the first thing I want to say is that it's impossible to do all of this at once. We have yep. to let go of that ideal that you're going to be this amazing musician, YouTuber, photographer, podcaster, <laughs> husband, all yep. of this at the same time. It just doesn't work <laughs> like that. And so the way that I like to think about it is that there are seasons. Every every hobby has has a season, right? And so, for example, you might find that at the moment you're not investing much in your YouTube because you're investing more time with your fiance, more time with the house hunting or whatever the story is. And I think that's okay. When you realize that, you can say, cool, all right, I've put these things on the back burner for a little bit. I'm going to come back to them. They're, they're waiting for me. But I'm just focusing on two or three at the moment, which are in their season right now. And at a certain time, you'll, you'll feel that itch to do something different and you'll put these away and you'll pick up the next couple as as part of their season and i think that's the way to do it as generous is that understand that every part of your life and you'll have weeks and you'll have months where you don't do certain things but you can always pick those back up and that kind of thinking about in seasons has really helped me because otherwise you you start being panicked about oh i haven't uploaded a youtube video in two months or i haven't done a photo in this long or i haven't spoken to a friend in this long etc and you can drive yourself silly if you kind of keep yeah. overthinking it in that way so that's the first thing i would say the second thing i would say is that often we need a project or an objective in order to get us to do these things right so it's very easy to say cool i've got a piano i've got a guitar i must just practice I'm just make I'm, yeah. I'm just make time to practice and then go practice, but it's hard to do that if you don't have a goal, if you don't have an objective or some sort of project. And so, what I always tell people if they want to do something creative, if they want to write or they want to play music or whatever, pick a goal. Say to your friend, "Listen, I'm going to play you Ed Sheeran's Perfect in a month time, and I want you to hold me accountable. And I'm going to have that goal, and I'm going to post it on my Instagram or on my YouTube, or whatever the story is. And that is going to be the goal I'm going to work towards because that's going to give you the motivation to actually." like you say, get up in the morning before work and get 20 minutes of practice in or get home after work and have that have that going forward. What, one of the reasons this podcast works again, Chad, is because we kind of hold ourselves accountable that every single week we're trying to put something out, right? If we didn't have that once a week schedule, it'd be very easy to say, oh, Chad, I don't feel like it today, but can we just skip it? Or yeah. I've got too much work going on or whatever. And sure, we've had those weeks in the past when things have got crazy, but for the most part, even if we didn't feel like it, we got in front of the mic and the moment we start talking Chad, we realize, oh, wait, this is fun. This is actually cool. I'm glad we're doing this. Yep. But sometimes that, that activation energy is difficult if you don't have an objective or some sort of accountability. So, Chad, if I were you, I would kind of look at your look at your long, long laundry list of all these things and pick two or three that you're going to decide, cool, now is the season for these two or three. And, and I don't know, make it two or three weeks maybe as the season and then set one goal, one objective for each of those projects. And I assure you, if you see, if you do those two things, I, I, you'll find more motivation. You'll be able to find more time and you won't feel as guilty about the ones that are on the back burner because you've made an intentional decision to say to yourself, cool, these are the three that I'm going to focus on for this season. And at the end of the season, then I can switch it up. Yeah. What do you think of that? I think that's a great idea. Um, I think the guilt element um, will will definitely help. Uh, so I think I think that as a, as a suggestion in terms of dealing with, because you know when when you're not, I feel like when I'm not progressing on on all of these at once, I'm kind of like, well, what am I doing? What what's the point? What am I doing? Um, and 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 so yeah, I think I've I've been I've been frustrated um, for, for that reason, and it's and it's unnecessary because it's. It's just not possible. There's just too many things for for one person. But I do I do have in the back of my mind this other thought of like how amazing could you be at any one of these particular things if you only had the one. And so like if you were to spend the next like four years like looking at just one of these and perfecting the art, like how amazing could that be? Like you could actually make an impact. I feel. Um, where, you know, having this kind of spray and 
what what is the right terminology just spray and 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 see what what you hit kind of approach um you know i I just kind of feel like is there any point in investing in kind of like half-assing it you know like if if you're going to do it are you going to do it are you not going to do it properly so 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 that's kind of where i'm at now and, and i'm keen to hear your thoughts on that yeah, so I think it's a good point, and it brings up a deeper question that I don't know if you've asked yourself yet, Chad, is that are these hobbies yeah. or are these actual professional endeavors, right? So, for example, like your YouTube, I, I know you're dying to make that a professional thing. You're dying to kind of go that creative route. And so the question you're asking is the right question, is that <laughs> if I dedicated all of my energy to that, would I be able to make it? And that's an impossible question to answer. And like sure. you say, the practicalities yeah. of life mean that sometimes it's not possible for us. But if it's a hobby then that shouldn't be part of the conversation. Sure. If it's a hobby, then it should just be for fun, right? It should just be cool. I, I want to improve and I want to, I want to get better, but I don't think I need to spend all of my time doing it. I've had a quite interesting kind of experience in the last couple of months because for those who don't know, I've started a writing business and I've been writing and writing and writing thousands of words a day for the last eight months, right? Average number and of words a day, this, Barry? Probably eight to 10,000 words a day. <laughs> Whoa. Like crazy amounts, right? And th- that has been, it's been wonderful because the business has been growing and it's been really exciting to kind of grow something of my own and build a business that I'm proud of. But at the same time, my my enjoyment for writing is, is struggling, right? It's, it's fragile because you're doing this now as a job. Yeah. You're doing this as a, as, as a, as the grind. And so the question here is that if you, if you invest all this time into this hobby and, um, and it, do you lose that magic? Do you lose that magic of being able to mm. enjoy what you're doing and enjoy the creative aspect of it? And so there's no right or wrong answer here. I think it's, it's great to dive into these hobbies if you want to make it professional. But you want to have some very difficult conversation with yourself and do some internal work to figure out, am I doing this because I enjoy it and it's because it's fun? Or am I doing it because I can see a career here? And if I see a career here, then I'm all for it. Then I say you, you dedicate yeah, yeah. more energy and time to it. And I think, Chad, maybe that's the kind of that's the kind of thinking you have to go through to figure out this YouTube thing and the photography thing. Is it something you actually want to do professionally? And if so, you're going to have to make sacrifices. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a fair point. Um, the, the, the work I've done so far says there's no, I'm not looking at this to be any of these things to be a career. But I'm still I'm still at that level of like perfection where like, you know, you want to do you want to do one thing, you want to do it really well. Um, so, so anyway, um, that, that helps Barry. I I appreciate that. The seasons, um, picking, picking a season, well, picking one or two things for a season, which is like a two to three week period with an actionable goal. Um, I I think that helps. And sorry for all of the listeners who, who might not be able to relate to this. I mean, hopefully you can relate (laughs) to some of it. I mean, everyone's juggling lots of different things in life. Um, and I don't know, I think it, I think it is a, it is a good example that you can kind of adapt to your personal circumstances. So thanks for that, Barry. Um, we'll have to see what the next season is, uh, on the side of the pond. Well, Chad, we'll, we'll be supporting you all the way. And I know across the pond <laughs> listeners are always dying to see what you're doing. So please go and subscribe to Chad Sturley on YouTube. If you haven't already, I know there's some stuff coming there. And Chad, we will be behind you no matter what you decide, buddy. Um, just keep at it. I think the life of a generalist is is a lonely one and a difficult <laughs> one, but I think it's very rewarding. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm exactly the same as you. I've always got too much on my plate. And to be honest, I think it's a better way to live life. So don't don't beat yourself up. Um, of course, you're not going to become world class at 14 things, but you'll you'll figure it out. You'll you'll find yeah. a way to you'll find a way to make it work. Let's end off, Chad, with with one last quote that I found. Um, from a Buddhist teacher, I believe, a guy called Geshe Shawopa. And it, it was one of those quotes that hit me in the face and kind of gave me a little bit of a, an existential moment, Chad, because I'm very good at worrying about the future. I think you're the same in this, in this respect as well, is that we, we both overthink things a lot. Mm-hmm. And I will find myself lying in bed, running through scenarios in my head about what could happen. What could happen is this. And if this happens and what could happen and, and worrying about a thousand different futures, Chad, about what could happen if, if different things occurred and if I made different decisions. And that worry doesn't serve us at all. It mm. really doesn't help us. It just gets in the way. It makes us feel things. It gets in the way of us being present. And so this quote really struck me. And it said, do not rule over imaginary kingdoms of endlessly proliferating possibilities. 
I love that writing. It's so dramatic and so yeah. kind of vivid. And it's so true. We, we always have these thousands of possibilities as to what could happen. And, and we kind of run through these in our head and trying, trying to predict the future almost. But the world is too uncertain for that. And we can drive ourselves crazy if we don't focus on what's in the present. And so it was a good reminder for me to kind of stop worrying about the future, stop worrying about four, five, six chess moves ahead. And let's just enjoy the moment and the present. Because when you do that, the future kind of takes care of itself. And what's going to happen is going to happen. Like yeah. you might think you have this incredible influence to be able to change everything in the future, but there's too many variables in this thing. And so, yeah, do, don't rule over imaginary kingdoms of endlessly proliferating possibilities. What a great way to end. Um, great quotes. And uh, it's an important reminder. I don't, I don't think you can overstate how important this reminder is to to live in the present not to not to look back as well because we also like to look back and we like to think of the past better than what it was because those emotions are are no longer as real as they were when we were going through them so we like to kind of romanticize sometimes about the past as well we're not there we're not in the future we're where we are right now and i know that is so uh you know so cliche and it sounds so stupid but it's important. It really is important. So thanks for bringing that, that up again, Barry. I don't think we can overstate the importance of it. Uh, and a great place to end this week's episode of Across the Pond. Yeah, definitely. I've had a lot of fun, Chad. It's always been good to, to chat. And hopefully we've got some value for anyone listening. If you've watched or listened this far, as always, you are awesome. And we really appreciate it. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. Please let us know what you think. Like, what do you think of these topics? Do you have any advice for Chad as he picks his next season? <laughs> how, do you, how do you help us get you a better episode? At the end of the day, we're yeah. doing this for you guys. So please, we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of the options are available to you. Um, click on a link in one of the bios. You can come and send a voice note. We'd yeah. love to hear some of your thoughts because we know you're listening out there and we get these messages every now and then that say we're really enjoying the podcast and it's kind of out of the blue, Chad, because we don't even <laughs> know so know. let us know where you're listening from let us know what you think because across the pond is growing and i'm loving it chad so all the best for the next few to come absolutely yeah because otherwise we're just we're just talking out to the to our own metaverse barry and, and we just we're just <laughs> not getting anything back um so yeah please do let us know how things are going um we'd love to hear from you thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you soon oh. Stop.